Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to Table Manners. I'm Jessie Ware and I'm schwitzing. How are you, Mum? My feet are like watermelons, Jessie. They're so swollen, I'm so hot. And this room is particularly hot and I've been working so hard, I've not even been out in the sunshine today. Where have you been, Jess? I've been to Whitstable and I didn't have fish and chips. Why not? Because the queues were so... Actually, you know what? It was in the papers that Bournemouth and Poole, it was like a state of emergency or something, wasn't it? And it just wasn't like that in Whitstable. It was amazing. Yeah. Have you seen the beach in Whitstable compared to Bournemouth, darling? Well, that's... Yeah, but anyway, I... It's like the mud flat. I'm glad that I was sensible. I was doing sensible social distancing sunbathing. How are your whelks? Did you eat whelks? No, we didn't get any fish. Um, it didn't seem like much was open, to be honest. So we ended up with Thai, which I'm not going to lie. I feel a bit iffy, but it was... Yeah, it was kind of nice. The kids ate it. It's not what you expect to have, a bit of prawn fried rice on the beach, but hey. But really excitingly, my friends, Claudia, her parents have set up a vineyard in in Kent. And I think their fields used to be like the Ribena fields. You know how Kent fields are excellent for growing? Garden of England, darling. The Garden of England, exactly. Well, they are trying out making white wine. So they've got a Pinot Gris. And their sparkling wine will be ready next year. And a big shout out to them. It's called Heppington Pinot Gris. And it's chilling in the fridge and I can't wait to have it. Darling, I just would like to put the oven on. Oh, what are you making for David Lammy? Well, I'm not. I'm going to have steak and a baked potato tonight. Oh, that sounds well nice. It's a bit hot for that, isn't it? No, because the steak's always nice with a big salad. I just want my baked potato in. Is that all right? Can I just go and turn it on? Whilst Mum goes and turns the oven on, I shall introduce this week's guest. We have the Right Honourable MP of Tottenham, Labour MP, David Lammy, on today. Um, I'm really excited to be speaking to him. It feels a bit silly to be talking about food, really, when there's so much else going on. Actually, what's happened in the news today, which... You know, we're pretty lucky to have David because he put this in, but there's been a lot of kind of news breaking on this. I'm sure lots of our listeners know, but if they didn't, David Lammy was asked to do an independent review by David Cameron back when David Cameron was in power. He did the Lammy review. It was a review of um, black, Asian and minority ethnic representation in the criminal justice system. And he examined that and he... He made 35 recommendations to help improve on fundamental principles. And old Boris said in Prime Minister's questions this week that he'd implemented 16 of them, which David Lammy has gone back on and said, you've implemented six, potentially with a few half done. I'm back. Yeah, no, I can see you back. Sorry. We've wanted to have David on the podcast for ages and we're really happy to have him in lockdown. Well, he's been our target for a long time. Because I think he's got so much to say and I'm really pleased he's coming on at this time. David Lammy coming up on Table Man. <laughs> D- 
David Lammy, thank you for joining us. I'm seeing you everywhere at the moment and I'm loving it and I'm loving, I'm inspired by everything you're saying and thank you for speaking such sense on everything. Um, so it's a real treat to have you doing this with us and I feel a bit silly talking about food with you really, but you know, we can talk about other stuff too. Well, you probably could tell from my girth that I quite like food. (laughs) So I wouldn't feel silly about it. Um, But that's very nice of you to say that and and to be so kind. Thank you. Are you a Londoner? Absolutely. Spurs fan, Mum? I'm a Spurs fan, born and raised in Tottenham. uh, But I actually live in Finsbury Park. And I live on a road that is next to the road where my parents had a bed sit with a few others and I was conceived. And my parents are no longer here, so I feel really connected. I take my children, walk past that house every every day. and I, So Finsbury Park is now where I consider home and I really like the Finsbury Park area and I live in the Stroud Green, sort of up to Crouch End area. But Tottenham, obviously, is where I grew up, where I still represent. And I guess I'm one of those people, I I sometimes feel a bit like most people leave their town or village or (laughs) neighbourhood, escape and never go back and, you know, make it big and it drag them back. And I sort of feel a bit like I'm maybe I'm slightly sort of stunted or immature because (laughs) I'm sort of... You know, I I haven't moved very far. I mean, I'm sort of one of those people that literally the streets I walk are the streets I've walked for 48 years. So I'm a bit sort of, you know, it's how it is. I think that's very romantic. I like that. Yeah, me too. I've just returned back to South London, not Clapham, because I don't love Clapham, but I've come, I've come to South East London. I, I, I don't know, I, I get it, but I'm not right by mum, but near enough that mum can ferry matzo and chicken soup to me um so i wanted to know how are you what have you had for your dinner are you having it later are you not like me who eats with my children at five o'clock in the evening i just had my dinner before i came on it was a incredibly healthy dinner that was just thrown together by my wife as if she wasn't sort of thinking and i thought wow that's pretty healthy it was spinach leaves with roasted beetroot Mm. And she had a load of anchovies that she fried and she threw in. And Ooh. and actually on this sort of hot day, it just sort of went down well. And I deliberately didn't finish it because I thought, I'll do this for an hour and then I'll have a bit more later. I'm on a keto diet at the moment. Oh, um, how's that going? It, it, well... It was going incredibly well, and I like the diet. It's been going a little bit less well, but it's still going quite well. I'll tell you how it's going a bit less, and you'll understand. I love this diet because it's meat-based. I love cheese. I love vegetables. And basically, I've got to a stage where I can tell that the carbs aren't good for me. Um, That, you know, all that bread, horrendous, all that pasta bad news, pizzas, those sorts of things really aren't good for me and they always make me feel bloated anyway. Um, so it's a it's a basically a no-carbs diet, although you can do it as, as a low-carbs, and that's good. The bit that's tough is it's also no sugar. No wine. Yeah, and that means no wine. So I just had a gin and tonic. 
know. And it was a slimline tonic, and a gin, and that's fine. That's really it's low. Fine. Uh, and that might be why I'm slightly bouncy on air, but but um, it, we are doing. Oh, don't worry. I'm, I've ordered one for my husband <laughs> to bring it up. Don't worry. We can all be there. Wow. So okay. So how long have you been doing the keto diet? I've been doing it since January, and I've lost two and a half stone. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I also do, by the way, which again works for me. I never thought I'd be able to do this. I go without breakfast. So intermittent it's what fasting, call then. Intermittent fasting. I don't really eat until after 12. And obviously, if your last meat's meals at nine o'clock, then your body is burning up, you know, that fat through the night and into the morning. And that that's really worked to keep the weight off. So even when I break a bit from the diet, because of course, you know, of course, that, that piece of chocolate cake, why not have it? You know, particularly at the weekends, the occasional, you know, suddenly, you know, let's have fish and chips and I want some of those chips. So of course you do. I'm not a complete sort of, you know, maniac about it. Uh, but actually, the intermittent fasting really, really helps. And I and my body now has very much got used to not having breakfast, functioning fine. I, in fact, again, you know, p- particularly in politics, you know, I'm up quite late into the evening. In fact, mm. you know, you could be having meetings in politics quite late into the evening. So uh, I, I've become very much an evening person. So I guess that slightly slower into the day works for me have you got to do something later another interview i imagine you're being interviewed all the time i haven't got to do an interview after this but i have to prepare uh, for tomorrow where i have two important one important interview and one important meeting where i have to prepare and actually there's a breaking news story uh, that i'm part of as we're doing this Uh, where I'm challenging Boris Johnson with something that he said in Parliament that wasn't correct. And I know that my researcher, um, and I probably should just have a quick glimpse at WhatsApp, will be in touch. And he might be saying, look, you've got a news interview, or can you do this, or can you do that? So I could obviously be suddenly doing Newsnight or whatever. Yeah, well, I'd really like you to just um, elaborate on that. You know, I think you'll definitely said much better than me but Boris Johnson apparently said in Prime Minister well you put it to him that he hadn't addressed as many of the things that he said he had in within the Lamy review so he was asked a question in Prime Minister's questions this week yeah by the MP for Lewisham East uh, about the Lamy review which is my review that I was asked to do by David Cameron into the problems of the criminal justice system and the overrepresentation of black, Asian and minority ethnic people in our criminal justice system. And I did this review three years ago. I had 35 recommendations in the review. I've been saying to the government, just get on with it, implement this review. And a countless others, by the way, that have come to Parliament. And the Prime Minister said, well, we, we have implemented 16 of Lamy's recommendations. And actually, if you go to the Ministry of Justice website where they respond every six months to my review and you look through the record, it's very clear that they haven't implemented 16 of my recommendations. I think that's a real stretch. I would say somewhere more like sort of six to ten of my recommendations have they implemented. And so, you know, you can't, democracy doesn't work if you've got the Prime Minister misleading the House. So I'm challenging to correct the record because that's just not true. But I mean, he's mis... Yeah, he's misleading us not only with this, but with Corona. I mean, it's it's this is the narrative of this government. And when does this break? Well, there's there's a lot of news around today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what I want to say in a kind of slightly highbrow way, because it's sort of important to think about this in the context of the UK, we've got two major political parties. 
which actually are coalitions. You know, they're big parties because actually within those parties are different views. And they have different visions of our past and different visions of our future. But the bottom line is the way our system works is Britain on the whole is not a revolutionary country. It's an evolutionary country. Unlike many of our continental brothers and sisters in Europe that have had major revolutions, we do things incrementally. That only works if you've got a system based on good faith. Mm. It only works if you assume good faith. You have different views, but let's assume good faith. When you ask somebody, when David Cameron reached across the aisle and said, David Lammy, can you do this piece of work for me? And I said, yes, thank you. I will do it. I'll do it seriously. And I delivered a report deliberately that was cross-party. It was, and and that's pretty cross-party in those days because David Cameron, Theresa May, Michael Gove, Jeremy Corbyn, Keir Starmer, I was thinking ahead, was on the advisory board (laughs) of of my review. It landed, everyone accepted it. Good faith says, now get on and implement those recommendations. If you constantly kick stuff into the long grass, you don't take it seriously. I'll tell you what happens. What happens is what we're seeing in the United States of America. People give up on mainstream politicians like me. They take to the streets. They get angry. They get upset. They set things on fire. And so this stuff is serious. And it's a serious thing when the Prime Minister says, oh, we've done it. But actually, they haven't done it at all. What was really interesting, David, I was at the one of the protests, Black Lives Matter protests at Hyde Park on, on the Saturday. And one of the biggest cheers... Thank you, thank you. Well, thank I've, you. I've seen you, I've seen, <laughs> and I know you, you can't really go out marching and you, you've implored people too if they can and they feel comfortable. And I, you know, I respect that. And, and one of the biggest cheers and one of the biggest chants was implement the Lammy Review. Implement the Lammy Review. <laughs> God, I didn't know that. That makes me almost feel teary. I, I, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, and like, honestly, you're you're becoming a, a leader with be able to speak on behalf of the black community and Black Lives Matter movement, I believe. And, and maybe I'm putting words in people's mouths and whatnot, but um, how does it feel that potentially that's... I mean, do, can you feel that? Can, I mean, I can feel the energy in these protests. The responsibility. And, yeah, and the responsibility. Yeah. Can you feel that? Well, I... Yes, I guess I, I don't really think about that very much. I mean, I I suppose what I feel at these moments, it first happened in the riots back in 2011. Mm. It happened again, very sadly, during the Windrush scandal. And then again, when Grenfell um, occurred. And I suppose I feel, thank you, God, and I do say God because I'm religious, um, for putting me there with the experience I now have. I've been in this game 20 years. I'm, I'm seasoned. I've got the scars on my back that know I'm seasoned. I'm not a newbie or a novice. And so I'm pleased in a way that I'm where I am today in British public life because I think I've got the equipment to deal with it. I've got the resources. I've got good support. I know what I'm saying. So that's what I feel. But I do, It you know, you're hearing this a lot, aren't you? I mean, a lot of black folk just sort of say, I'm tired, I'm tired. And that's why I said, uh, Jesse, thanks so much for going, because you'll understand this. I, I know Jewish friends really understand this. The black community in the end is 3%. Of the, of the population it's tiny it doesn't feel so tiny in london but in the country it's tiny and and minority communities need solidarity they need allies 
and mm. allies is not just a a little bit of talk it's a it's a verb it means doing so thank you for doing and that's what really excites me that i'm seeing um you know black and white taken to the streets and actually amongst millennials generation y particularly there's an articulacy about race that doesn't exist as you go further up the tree you know i'm constantly i get interviews saying you know is britain racist have you experienced racism is there anything white privilege and i think really in 2020 you know you're asking me that question let me just let me just break this down for you black people have been making comedy about racism from eddie murphy to dave chappelle to chris rock to Lenny Henry, they've been making books from James Baldwin to Maya Angelou to Toni Morrison. They've been singing. <laughs> I'm not going to go for the range of music. Where have you been? <laughs> you know. So of course we're tired. That it's now a conversation that has to be about majority culture saying, you know, why does this pernicious thing keep reinventing itself? Why can't we we get over this? fear that means we can kneel and kill a black man in eight minutes 40 46 seconds that's what's required now it needs allies it needs people getting in there getting stuck in and being articulate about the subject and not just relying on black people to talk about it yet again well yeah exactly it's our responsibility we have to you know it's it it shouldn't be a debate anymore and it's our responsibility to change it not black people (laughs) we need to be the louder voice that's how i feel anyway because it's it's our problem it's not it's um anyway i mean it was just it was really it, it was powerful when everyone was saying it and the I, I saw an 11-year-old girl speak to everyone so beautifully and she was inspired and it was like a safe space for people. They had like four different sections for people to speak at and then they had a main stage and so everyone was just kind of listening and it was very LGBTQ focused because of the Pride Month and it was beautiful. But the 11-year-old girl, um, she came up and spoke, she was inspired, but her dad had just spoken and she'd been inspired by everyone else and there was a trust there and it, it was so beautiful. And, you know, I'm, yeah, I... I, I'm sure I, everyone could be doing more, but I'm trying my best. But um... Well, we're living through extraordinary times. It does feel a bit like, um, I imagine the 60s felt like I am not sort of, I wasn't there on those marches and those campaigns. I wasn't born, but it sort of feels a bit like there's a moment that's a sort of breakthrough moment. And I think that the truth is, you know, baby boomers are still very much in the driving seat, you know, you can see it in the American election. <laughs> you've got some very old folk that, that want to run the country. And then you've got me, my generation, Gen Xers. We're quite a small generation, but mini baby boomers. Then you've got these generations after us who haven't quite got the levers of power. But when they get the levers of power, it's going to be really exciting. And, and that's the sort of transition that we're in. <laughs> grew up in Tottenham were your parents first generation so my parents my dad came from Guyana in 1956 at the age of 24 so he was part of that Windrush my mother was his second wife I have three older brothers and she came a bit later sort of 69 70 is she from Guyana as well she's from Guyana as well yeah and yeah they were the way I describe the Windrush are people who came to this country, gave so much and took so little. That's just the way to sum them up, to be honest. And actually, during the 
you know, as I was going to challenge the government on the Windrush scandal in that speech that I made in Parliament um, that was recently replayed on the BBC and at the end of Sitting in Limbo, the fantastic drama on the Windrush scandal. Oh, my goodness. I sort yeah. of recalled that I was... I was going to start my speech by talking about my parents. And then I suddenly realised that I couldn't because I thought, I'm just going to start crying. And I cannot stand up in Parliament to challenge Amber Rudd and start with my dad came to this country in 1956 and my mother followed soon after. I could, I, that was how I was going to start. And they worked so hard and... And I just thought, no, because this I'm just going to lose it, right? And I cannot do that on behalf of the black community. So I started in a much more sober way. I quickly texted my office, when did the first... Oh, gosh. The first um, slave chips arrived in the Caribbean and he came back 1625. And I started in that really sober way. The first slave ships arrived in the Caribbean in 1625 we are inextricably linked to this country. And that's why we were British citizens, because you brought us from Africa. And of course, that was a very sober way to start. And all my colleagues around me were like, oh, fuck, it's none of his slavery. <laughs> but it was just so that I had to centre myself as I sort of, you know, built up to the crescendo. And I still got quite passionate. So you, you well, you're very young, I can tell, but you were born a little while after they, they'd settled down 56, here. Or your dad yeah. came in. So when did they meet? Had they met in Guyana or they met here? Actually, she was his second wife and it was really more of an arranged marriage in, in, really? in, in those days. I mean, her stepmother and his mother conspired in the village. And my mother left Guyana and came to Britain and she didn't really know what she was coming to. And she talked a lot about snow for the first time and, you know, and the cold. And and actually also, I think she thought she was coming. I mean, my mother was a very prim country girl. I mean, terribly sort of. Actually, she told a story. I write about this in my book, actually, Tribes. She, she told a story. She used to tell the story my mother I should say my mother and father had a very tempestuous marriage I mean it wasn't great right and she used to wind my dad up by saying you do realize that when I came on that plane to, to Britain I was sat next to uh, Sharika Kane now Sharika Kane had just become Miss World from Guyana and was coming to marry Michael Caine. And my mother told this story as if Michael Caine had a choice. <laughs> and it should have been her <laughs> to wind up my dad. But she thought she was coming to something more glamorous than, than the bed sit in Fisby Park where she where she ended up. <laughs> she sounds like Hortense in Small Island. And she like arrives like and she, it's just not quite what she imagined it would be and she's very proper. <laughs> so you, you come from a religious Christian background. My mother was very religious and we bounced around I was a cathedral chorister I got this break and I became a cathedral chorister Were yes you? I was I, used to, I was a young Alid Jones bet you look beautiful in your little choir suit well I always say it's a bit like a Billy Elliot story for me um, there I was in Tottenham um, my music teacher at my local primary school, the, the priest, the head teacher conspired. They said to my mummy she'd go on voice trials. I went on voice trials and literally going and being a cathedral chorister in Peterborough was my big break. Now, for Billy Elliot, it was a ballet dress. For, for me, it was a dress. <laughs> but I, it, obviously, it put me on a trajectory that 
I suppose, has got me to this point. So you went to school in Peterborough? I did, So that was a special church school then? It was a church school. I boarded there. It was a state boarding school. You know, I was the only black kid there, so I'm not going to say it was always easy. It wasn't. But I did flourish there ultimately, and I'm very, very fond of the people of Peterborough, of East Anglia, and what that bit of Middle England gave me, really. I know people associate me with Tottenham and I'm very proud of Tottenham and I'm a Spurs supporter. Peterborough is my sort of second home. You know, I I feel at peace when I go to Peterborough Cathedral and I sort of realise that I don't, you know, I'm not, there are bits of me that are very much from Peterborough. I'm not, I'm not all Tottenham actually is the truth. And who, was your mum a good cook? Oh, was my mother a good cook? Well, I mean, was my mother a good cook? My mum was an incredible cook. People came from miles to my mum's food. I mean, you know, my mum, in in Guyanese cooking, a bit like Trinidadian cooking, it's wonderful. The best curries in the Caribbean. Wonderful rotis. There's a dish called pepper pot, which is like a wonderful beef stew. Hers was the best. She made the most amazing patties, you know, you know, I, mean, I suppose they like Cornish pasties, but just yummy. She loved food. She loved cooking. She loved to experiment. Um, and actually, you know, her, her, her food changed over the years. I mean, you know, she became really good at a Sunday roast and, you know, all sorts of other things, actually. But but she she was a wonderful, wonderful cook. And she she was a sort of of that tradition where she great huge satisfaction from people eating her food and enjoying her food and cooking for events and cooking for people but also that sort of slightly because she had this sort of shy nature she would cook for folk and then not eat herself you know almost take more delight in them eating than her actually eating at all very very strange i'm the same sort of person but you eat it mum. <laughs> i do eat it you eat it <laughs> Uh, but so so when you went to boarding school I guess the food was in, in different it was different did your mum ever give you little care packages of food <laughs> oh god could you have a pepper pot under your bed I don't know like she gave me you know she would wrap up loads of patties and you know it was the era of Tupperware boxes and she used to sell Tupperware so I had loads of Tupperware and lots of lots of very you know actually before I went to Peter I said that I'd, I'd never been on an inner city train but when we did go on holiday we'd take these coach trips to Skegness or Eastbourne or somewhere like that and we'd you know I, I remember all these Caribbean folk in the loads of coaches going to Skegness and then opening up their Tupperware boxes with their curries on the on the on the beach. So very, very, very fond memories of the food that I grew up with. And I guess that makes that's why I'm a bit of a foodie. Have you tried any Guyanese keto dishes? <laughs> could that work? Yeah, I don't know. You could maybe maybe there's a new book in there for you. Lots David. of meat, lots of veg. But I suppose That'd be you all know, right. It's yeah. the rice. It's the rice and the rotis. Mm. That's that's. Um, oh. Guyana is a country of obviously descendants from Africa who came over as slaves and indentures workers from India, who came over from India after the end of slavery, and Chinese. So it's a real fusion of all three of those mm. different traditions. My mother's grandmother was from Calcutta, so. 
yeah, it's quite hard to, to do keto. Yeah, you kind of need the rice, yeah, don't you? You, you the, need the, the rice. And, up bit, you almost like need your fingers yeah. in the, you know. And, yeah. 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 So when you got married, did you have a kind of, what was your wedding feast like, your wedding breakfast? Oh, well, so let me just say something wonderful about my wonderful wife. My wife is a woman called Nicola Green. She is an artist and she is, she too has a kind of mixed up heritage. Her mother is of Russian stock, uh, no longer with us. And uh, her father has uh, sort of was white South African and white, very upper middle class English. Um, I think he took a DNA test and has Jewish genes as well, somewhere along the line there. And Nicola my mother loved Nicola by the way she's also loves cooking I mean she's she's got a job a big job and works and things so she doesn't she's not like my mum she's not sort of hanging around the kitchen the whole time uh, but she does get a lot of satisfaction from cooking and actually we get a lot of satisfaction from cooking together but what did you have at your wedding oh uh, what did we have at my wedding I thought about the wedding the wedding we had our wedding was a we wanted a sort of fusion thing so we had Caribbean food that was sort of uh not nouvelle cuisine but we it was high-end caribbean food we had it was a wonderful wedding we we merged you know two traditions we had the london gospel choir but we also got married in st margaret's westminster next to westminster abbey and had the, the westminster abbey choir as well so it's wow. a real sort of coming of together singing. joy and music and singing and you know this big mixed heritage wedding and Good Caribbean food, but high end. Did you sing at the wedding? I did not sing at the wedding. I am in the parliamentary choir. Are so you? Who else is in? There's a parliamentary yeah, who else choir. Is in? Fantastic. Oh. When do you have time to Burn. sing? I don't. Do I don't. I don't. True. I don't get to the practice, so I'm not. I I tend oh. to do the Christmas concert, and that's it because I'm so busy, and I I, I don't like singing without practice. All right. I want to know who's in. Who gets the solos? Bernard Jenkins. Barry Gardner, I think, is in it. Um, so it's cross-party. Oh, it's cross-party. And actually, the most important thing to understand, actually, there are a few MPs in it, but it's really staff that work for MPs, cleaners, porters, people who work in the Palace of Westminster. And it's a great, great choir, and it's 20 years old. Um, actually, it's 20 years old this year, and I... As of this week, I've been in Parliament 20 years. This week was the anniversary of me being in 20 years. Yeah. Mazeltoff, that's a big thing. It is, and I was thinking of having a little event, and I sort of, you know, obviously lockdown killed it, and I and only just remembered as I was talking to you. So this is my event. Oh, well, look, I'm Mazeltoff. Thank you for Cheers. staying around. <laughs> Where, where's the best Caribbean restaurant in London? Oh, my God, there are loads. There's quite... So um, Tottenham High Road, Peppers and Spice. I swear there's a Peppers and Spice in Dalston too. Am I making this up? Yes, there's probably a Peppers and Spice in Dalston too. It's really good, yeah. In Stroud Green, I'd rate Granny's Caribbean. <laughs> Granny's Caribbean. <laughs> yes. What's the Guionese place that Sam likes, Jessie? There's this in one in, um, we used to live in Hearn Hill. Hill and there was this really good one and she's amazing. She does... Um, there's a... Very. She does a market. I, I've She's been there once. so amazing. Her rotis yeah. are incredible. There's a wonderful, wonderful Trinidadian Caribbean in the market in Brixton, just down on Cold Harbour Lane. Really good food. He does a fantastic fish curry. Really good. I've been there. It's really, really yeah, good. Very tasty. Yes. 
Yeah. Um, so I wanted to know what your last supper or desert island meal would be. It has a starter, a main, a pud, drink oh of choice, God. and forget keto doesn't have to be involved in this. Yeah, and forget keto. Oh, starter. Probably fish. You know, really, really good fresh squid. Oh, yeah. Or scallops. Really fresh. I'm imagining that I'm sort of in southern France or Italy and it's sort of just, you know, uh, you know, actually or, or the Caribbean. Okay. I think the the main... Um, I actually had the most amazing... Again, it was fish. Um, it was like a sort of snapper in the most amazing tomato sauce I've ever had in my life. Tomato, paprika... Where was this? Um, I'm going to tell you, you're going to love it. Uh, onions garlic in a huge dish and everyone took a bit of this fish huge dish and it was in tel aviv boy it was tasty (laughs) um if i could have that again i'd die happy Uh, that was really tasty as a main and then i think dessert is probably a bit boring i love 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 cheesecake Oh. I just don't get cheesecake. No. I don't get it. I'll eat it if it's there. But I don't think I've ever had like a sublime... Jesse, this cheesecake. isn't your last supper. It's his, so it's fine. <laughs> no, it's shown up. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, no, what I would mean, you yeah, drink? Yeah. What do you like to drink? Oh, I think I... Um, I'm like such a champagne socialist. Champagne? <laughs> no, no, not champagne. Not champagne. Actually, champagne gives me a headache. No, um, but a bit of a lightweight, I suppose. This kind of weather that we've got now in London, I can only really drink, um, you know, either a and t because I'm on this diet, but uh, if not that, it's a rosé, really. I love a good rosé. Oh, yeah. Um, Which is your favourite? Whispering Angel. Oh, Mum, you Do are you know, sounding... You're sounding tad basic now. I'm sorry, sorry, I like it. I love you. Sorry. It is good, but. Yeah. Is that a rose you've got there? Yeah. Oh, is it? Oh, God, I want one now. <laughs> You're a good singer. Do you like karaoke? Uh, no, I don't, I, I don't like making a fool of myself. I don't. I don't, I don't like making Okay, a fool if of we myself. forced you at, at my, my big birthday party to choose a karaoke song, which would it be? Uh, I just had that come into my head. I don't want to sing, you know. There's a place for us somewhere. Oh, don't! I'm going to cry. There's a place for place us. For West Side us. Story. Somewhere a place <laughs> for us. Oh yes, <laughs> love that. Oh, it is a good song, that actually. So that's that's what ca- that's what came somewhere. into my head. I, you know, a good rendition of somewhere is is kind of. You know, just takes you somewhere. It's a good song, Sing, isn't David. It? Oh, it's beautiful. I love that musical, though. It's fabulous. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Oh, yeah. The emperor has no clothes. Imagine if Parliament <laughs> did musicals too. You could have, or you could do panto, and Boris comes. Oh no, Jake Morris. <laughs> What's it? Reese Mogg yes. could come on. Everyone going, boo! He's behind you. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When did your book come out? So my book came out just before the lockdown. and Oh, same. Us authors. It was a nightmare, wasn't it? The book is called Tribes. Okay. And it's me talking personally about, first off, the tribes I'm from. So I talk about Tottenham and being in the Caribbean. I talk about Peterborough and what that city means to me and what it gave me. And I take a DNA test to find out my tribe. Okay. And the tribe I'm from are the, or my mother's 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 mother's, are the Tuareg tribe, the sort of Berber tribe um, in Niger. And they go all the way up to sort of, I don't know, Morocco, Algeria. Um, And they're called the blue people and they're nomadic people. And I go back and spend time with these folk and I write about that in the book. And they're really wonderful. It's very poor. But it's just amazing being in the desert, basically, with them. But, you know, I sort of reflect that I'm not, in the end, a Tuareg. I am, but I'm not really. Tottenham and the Caribbean mean a lot to me. Peterborough means a lot to me. I go back there and I speak to people who voted for Brexit, people who I know, who I care about, who have different views to me on immigration and sort of subjects like that. And then ultimately I talk about where we are, identity politics, which people are talking about a lot, Black Lives Matter, um, loneliness, depression, why people send me death threats and hate mail and I get into that and then I come out the other end and I say look we've got to come together and how do we come together so that's what the book's about but but I mean I can see it on my Instagram when I put up a I mean it's it's infuriating and it's ridiculous but whenever I put up something well no something political whether it's encouraging people to vote um to register to vote I I did back Sadiq Khan in the mayor election elections and use my platform to say that whether it's Black Lives Matter movement the comments, you know, and I, I get a very few amount of comments that will maybe say, and all lives matter, or, and I'm kind of like, cool, clear off, bye. And, um, but you, you get so much, you must get so much of this on a regular, with Twitter. I mean, it's, it's toxic, no? It can be brilliant and toxic. It's really toxic. Some of it, I mean, I've got, become hardened to it. I expect it. I don't look at the feed any, anymore. I think the stuff that gets under your skin is the stuff that comes into the office. It's the death threats. uh, And it's particularly if you don't know if people are going to go through with it. And so a lot of this stuff ends up with the police. People get prosecuted. In the book, I write about going and meeting a, 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 a guy who who sent me a death threat and we're in court. And uh, and it's weird because he's, you know, we're in a court in Wolverhampton. I'm there. His lawyer is is Muslim. <laughs> you know? And, the you know, I think the judge was Muslim. You know, it was just like, what's going on? This is bad. Um, but in the end, 
there's something going on in society, isn't there? That sort of that a lot of these platforms are driving division. Um, there are outside countries manipulating it in terms of bots and stuff like that. And so this sort of the way in which we're getting pulled into these silos and then also actually worryingly young people, uh, you know, it's the mental health. It's not good. It's just not good. So anyway, well, I think you've got to take it seriously after Joe Cox. Very. Yeah, I suppose the way to put it is that I've become hardened to it. My wife and my kids are not hardened to it. How do you prepare them? Well, I think it's horrible for kids. The panic amongst young people. I mean, my kids, because of Joe Cox, there was an uh, uh, the, the wonderful policeman, PC Palmer, that was killed in Parliament and attacked. Oh. You know, my kids were really worried coming back from school that I remember it happened in the afternoon they were coming back from school they did you know MPs were sort of shut down parliament was shut down and we were sort of locked in the chamber for a bit you don't quite know what is is, is someone else running around parliament and there's a sort of moment of 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 real worry and we've actually also sadly had had people um you know knocking on the door and things so it's it's that's that's the age in which we live. Thank you very much to the Metropolitan Police for all that they do to keep me safe. Oh, David, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. Such a pleasure. And um, thank you. I've I've really enjoyed this. Good. Thank you so much. Oh, good. Um, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank and, you. Um, thank you. And all you're saying. I'm I'm listening, and I love you. Thank you so much. Just so interesting. Thank you, David Lammy, for taking your time out on like the hottest day of the year. It Schwitzing. is Schwitzing in London town. And what a nice man. He was just so delightful. Well, I'm going on the keto diet because he looked gorgeous. Yeah, he looks great. And that salad sounded fab. David Lammy's book that came out at the beginning of lockdown is called Tribes and it's uh, how our need to belong can make or break society. So everyone have a read of that. And thank you so much, David. I really, really enjoyed that. I feel like I have fire in my belly now and I feel like, well, he can go and change the world and I'll try and help him a little bit. <laughs> good, Jesse. Thanks for listening, everybody. And goodbye. Jesse's switched off already. Bye.